0: Hello, Miss Michelle. How are you this morning?
1: Good. Happy Wednesday. How are you?
0: (laughs) I am very well, thank you. And I'm really looking forward to this conversation with you this morning.
1: I'm excited to be here and thanks for having me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So the idea for today is for me to sort of extract out of you your story of uh, what you used to do, what you're doing now and how that all came about to give people that are listening some ideas of maybe things that they could do for themselves if they're in a situation where they're considering leaving a highly successful job to go and maybe start their own thing and knowing that there's lots of questions and challenges that come with that. So I'm excited. I only know little bits really of your story, so I'm excited to find out much more. So maybe to, to kick us off, can you explain what is it that you do now and what did you used to do?
1: Okay. So what I currently do is so kind of set the scene so you can understand why I'm here where I am today and where I've been. So um, I'm in my late 40s. Um, I have two teenage boys, which are interesting and challenging, and then a daughter just completing year six at the moment, um, starting high school soon. So look, I am the founder of Door 28. Now, Door 28 came about... Um, Uh, in March this year, uh, really, for me, what I do is I love technology and I love executive assistance. Um, And what I do is I advocate um, in that space. I also teach people how to use technology to either be the best version of themselves in what they're doing, or how they can forge forward in a leadership role that they may may be in. So, predominantly um, in the executive assistant space, but now going into the female leadership space. So, I empower them with technology to use it in their everyday role because technology is very very fearful for a lot of people. Mm. And I really take that fear away from them and and say, you know, what are you doing at the moment? Why are you wasting time doing X, Y, and Z when there's an app or tool that can do that? So I go out into the world. I currently work three days a week um, and I really share the love, of the knowledge that I've gained over my lifetime um, through the different industries. Now, prior to that, I completed several several years has been an executive assistant to a CEO and CFOs Um, and I've been in that space for about 12 to 13 years and absolutely loved it Um, and then prior to that I was in the wine business um, in events management and absolutely loved that as well but you know but we, as women, you know, I loved events and travelled the world and worked for great brands like bon- uh, Bollinger and Penfolds. And, and Lion Nathan was one of the um, great companies I worked for. Um, but, you know, when I had three children and you couldn't travel the world. So,
0: I shame about to,
1: that. <laughs> I had to do a career change a very long time ago. Um, my eldest is now 16. And, and I looked at my skill set of what I had back at that time um, and went, right, being in events, you have to be highly organised. And I went, you know, basically typed it into Google one day and wanted to come up with and it came up with an executive assistant so I <laughs> had to recreate myself back you know 12 13 years ago um with the skill set I had already gained um being in the events industry and you know I was really really fortunate a gentleman um you know took a risk with me he loved my personality he loved the maturity that I bought but also I also recognized at the time you know what were my strengths and my weaknesses and I think that was a key point and you know I was with him for many years um, and then you know I didn't go in from the day dot of being an executive assistant, I didn't go in and choose an industry. I chose the person. So as an executive uh-huh. assistant, one of the most important things is getting the fit right. So, you know, I've been with three um, different people over the course of the time as an executive assistant and the most important thing for me was getting the fit right. First, it wasn't about the industry. So, you know, I went from financial services to energy management to um, startup tech space. So, you know, if someone had said that to me 20 years ago that you would have been you know, working for like a global organisation of Schneider Electric that I worked for, you know, which is um, our solar panels and light switches. I went, no way, that's not me. I'm a wine girl or I'm a dance girl. <laughs> I think the fortunate thing for me is last year my CEO was asked to go and head up an incubation in Silicon Valley.
0: What does now, that actually mean when you say an incubation?
1: It, so you've got it. You've got an idea of a business and it's how do you develop it and bring it to life. right. So, you may you may have the idea and you may have eight checking points, but if you don't get past each checking point, then you basically cut off it and incubation doesn't uh, doesn't go any further. In February 2018, we had to step out of the corporate world um, and we set up a space in a co-working um, uh, place in Darlinghurst. No one really knew what we were doing, um, and really we we created a war room environment. And the tent- sounds all
0: very secret squirrel.
1: It was at the beginning like we had a different name we used during the incubation. We couldn't even tell people at Schneider what we were doing. People didn't get what an incubation was. And the team basically um, went back and forth from Silicon Valley for me I was like holy Julie, what is this world I'm in and you know as a woman in her mid-40s it's like you're talking a language I don't understand but for me I've always been a really positive person so I embraced it I went okay what is this about you know we were using programs like Slack and Zoom and you know all these we were operating not in a corporate environment we were operating in a totally different environment so I had to go and go oh they go oh we want to do this tomorrow can you go? get this app and sort it and I went, what are you talking about? So I had to, I had to retrain my skill set because I had no idea what was going on. But I learned a lot and I actually loved um what technology can do to our role. And I thought I was quite tech savvy with having children, um especially teenagers, because they teach you, you know, they come home and go, Mum, you know, there's this app and this does this for you. And I thought I was quite cool. But you know I soon found out when you go to Silicon Valley you're not cool. So <laughs> I learned a lot and, you know, one day I was put in the position where, um, you know, I had my CEO at the time, like her expenses were out of control in the sense that it took forever to reconcile mm-hmm. and we were using SAP Concur, which it's a, it's a great system, by the way, but we had an older version. So we didn't have the plugins connected correctly. We didn't have it operating on, on your iPhone. It was very desktop bound and all that. And, you know... Couple um, uh, cloud solution guys, data scientists said to me, you know, you know, there's, you can put that on your phone and it can talk to your Outlook and it can do this. And I went, what? And really, from that moment, I just went, I love this world. So, you know, we became a startup tech business. Um, we 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 got funded, launched in November last year. And then really my functionality as a C-suite executive assistant, which is where I was, was not needed anymore. Um, They had programs um, in the startup tech world. They don't need to invest their money on that side of the business and they need to put it in another side of the business. So I had to really, I found myself again at the beginning of this year looking to reinvent myself or re you know, start my career again and how could I do it? But I was so, so passionate about what an executive assistant can do for their executive. Um, and also I was frustrated because I was sick of that, you know, word, you're just an EA or you're the, you're the Qantas trolley dolly making cups of tea all day. And that's yes. really – we have a brain um, and we have a great skill set. And if we are used in the right way, we are the true business – advisor to a CEO and executive and we're the ones making the decisions so I went right what have I got what can I do how can I get this message out there and then really started the educational piece from the tech side started the advocacy piece from there and then started, you know, one thing from another, running workshops. I do podcasts. I do a walk and talk series. So really, you know, I'm, I love what I do. I'm passionate. And I kind of went, if I'm leaving that corporate world, I'm not going to work 60, 80 hours a week. How can I do that? And it was changing my um, thought process um, from being this corporate operator to being this person really in my own startup business as well. Yeah. Um, and that's what that's that's what I had to do. And I think, um, you know, I've learned a hell of a lot this year. You know, some things haven't worked. Some things have worked. But I've always had my passion. And I think someone said to me, I member in February, if you're ever going to start your own business, Michelle, don't worry about the money. Don't worry about a business plan. Just be very clear on your why. If you have your why, then you'll be fine. So Yeah.
0: Oh Michelle, there is so many things in what you have just said that I would like to dive in and uh slice apart. So I'm just gonna I'll I'll throw a few at you. So you mentioned a couple of times about um that you advocate for executive assistance. What do you actually mean by that?
1: So um there's different ways that I advocate. So um I also found the power of LinkedIn. I'd never been on LinkedIn um, before in my life. And Mm Um, I remember um, LinkedIn coming to see us. It was in late February, March. And I went, oh, I'm not even on LinkedIn. And, you know, someone then took my computer and signed me up to LinkedIn. And I went on there and I, I was just amazed with what that tool, that resource, that um, application does. And then I just started speaking about topics. Um, look, I'm not afraid to talk.
0: I um, I noticed. Well,
1: I I don't speak in big words, I don't, I failed at English, so I'm not really about, you know, using all these big words and sophisticated things, plus I'm also not intimidated by the big words, but I just spoke in my language and I started to talk on topics that I was passionate about. So, you know, people would be complaining, an EA is this, an EA is that, Um, and I was like, no, they're not, like a, a true EA does X, Y and Z. So I then started getting my message out about what an EA does. And from there, I just started simple things. Um, I launched my Instagram page. Um, and then I did a walk and talk series. So my walk and talk series is um, every week I meet a new EA. We walk either around their workplace. We go to the botanical gardens. And I just chat to them and I ask them a series of questions. So what I'm trying to do with the advocacy part of the walk and talk is Make people understand how amazing these executive assistants are and and letting people know that they're just not an EA. Like they're a real human being with a massive skill set and if you actually get to know them properly, they can add value to their organisation and they can be the true business advisor to their CEO that they should be Mm -hmm. but they're not often um, credited for that. So. I just continued, you know, I started speaking in advance, um, explaining the true role of what an EA um, can do, plus also um, making people aware in the industries and also the life cycle about different levels of EAs and also expectations. You know, so you've got your junior, you've got your middle, you've got your senior and you've got your C-suite. So, you know, you pay for what you get. So you can't expect to have a C-suite EA and only pay them this amount. You know, if you want the full package where they call you 24-7, you know, they're on call, they're on emails, then you've got to pay for that value. Yeah,
0: it's that whole thing of like if you want someone who has got, you know, the same sort of um, skin in the game as as you do, then, then you need to be making sure that they're remunerated appropriately is what I imagine.
1: Yeah, and, and, and for me, that was a big message as well. We also saw in our industry this year as the executive assistants, we also saw the role of chief of staff come in. So initially when it kind of rolled out at the beginning of the year, it was kind of a bit of a threat to a lot of um, senior and C-suite EAs because really some um, businesses were really just doing a role change, a role title change, and changing it from executive assistant to chief of staff. So, you know, for me, the advocacy piece is something I'm really strong and passionate about, you know, I have been challenged when when organisations um, come in and they want to um, they want to get rid of their executive assistants because they don't see the value proposition piece and, and and why they should be paying that. Then I challenge them, and you know a lot of the time they don't have the fit right. Mm-hmm. So they, they've looked at a piece of paper and they've got oh yeah she went to this university she's got this skill set and that's it. But you know for me I you know I talk to recruiters and you know you have to put that executive assistant in front of the um, CEO or the executive quite quickly during the process because if, if they walk in and they sit in front of each other and there's no fit, then it's never you can't make a fit work, and yeah. when they've yeah. got the right person in the right role with the right skill set. And I think every EA has a strength in what they do. So it could be a strategy piece, it could be an events piece, it could be an innovation piece, could be a board piece. So really, they've got to make sure that their strength in their, what they're doing is supporting their ex- executive in what they need to do. So, yeah.
0: Well, I can totally hear and feel your passion for wanting to really <laughs> advocate and support. Both, it sounds like the the EAs themselves, but also the organisations to really leverage the the skill set that is there. But one of the things that I'm really curious about is that your actual transition from being that executive assistant to a CEO and kind of working yourself out of a role, mm, mm. and then the decision to sort of go into doing your own thing. And it sounds like you were really clear on the on the passion of really about the who you wanted to work with and uh, I guess the, the, the what you wanted your business to uh, be for you in terms of lifestyle and not, you know, working yourself into the ground. But how, how did you find that transition from being an employee immersed in a, what sounds like a fairly dynamic environment through that incubation period mm. into doing your own thing? What, what was that transition like?
1: Look, I'm not going to deny that it wasn't scary because mm-hmm. it certainly was scary, mm-hmm. um, but the the thing what I did first of all is I needed my support from my A-team, so my partner and my closest friends. It's like um, I'm going to do this, what do you think? Yeah, You know, from day job the support was there. If you fall, we'll be there to pick you up. If you don't, we'll be there to celebrate you with champagne. Yeah, So course. And I think with going into business what I did learn is I didn't understand the power of my networks also. And when I left, I just started getting on the phone and I just started meeting with people and throwing ideas around. And really a lot of successful small business operators said to me, Michelle, it'll take you 12 months to figure out exactly what your business looks like. Try some things um, and if they don't work, then try something else. So I went in with a really positive attitude. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, is that I wanted to do it, you know, Juggling teenagers is, I, you know, I sometimes say I want to go back to having babies, um, and balls, <laughs> but, you know, I don't know whether I'll regret that saying. But I really wanted to also be there for my children a lot more because when you're in a, a, a top-performing career, you're not as present as what you wanted to want to be. And mm. sometimes as parents we always go, I oh, wish we could, wish we should. So I really set the parameters from the beginning. And I did fall down a couple times in this area and I said, right, I'm going to work three days, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays, I'm going to really hard on those days. Friday is going to be my mental health day because I think it's really important to have clarity and actually, you know, that clear vision on where you want to be. But also a day that on Fridays, you know, my mental health day, if, if you know, I want to sit and watch Netflix all day or want to go to lunch with the girls or want to go to a school concert or whatever it may be, I wanted to have that opportunity to do that. So that was a clear like non-negotiable for me. Yeah. And you know, and then I did find it difficult for a bit and I said to people, right, if you want to meet me on Fridays, you've got to walk around the Bay Run or you do the Bronte uh Bronte walk with me. And initially people went, especially the corpus, no, I'm not doing that. But then they needed to really see me. And I said, Well we've got to do it, we've got to walk and talk. And that's kind of how the walk and talk series eventuated as well. And then Monday's my planning day because I find I've kind of been a bit, a lot better on my weekends instead of working, um, you know, because when guys were in Silicon Valley, um, I would have to work on Saturdays because it uh, was their Friday. Yeah. So, you know, no more working on Saturday. So Monday was my planning day, get on the phone, catch up on emails and really strategize to where I want to be for the week. Um, so I think it's, uh, you know, and also I um, I didn't conform. Oh, maybe that's the wrong word. I don't know. But I didn't. Um, have the pressures of doing it the way the corporates wanted me to do it so little things like everyone told me I needed a website everyone told me I need to go out and do a branding exercise and have a strategy document everyone told me that I need to have a proper email address and things like that so I just did it my way and I wanted to make it simpler and the thing is is that I you know when you go and work for yourself, there's a financial element as well. So how much financially do you want to put into the business that you're going to lose? And how much do you not want to lose? So I looked at where I needed to invest my money, um, and where I could kind of use um, apps and tools. And there's so many free apps and tools out there that can help you navigate um, your way through starting up a business. And I really utilised them. And I reached out to my networks and said, hey, I need to do this in my business. And they're going, oh, Mish, there's this, there's that, you know, mm-hmm. you don't need to pay for it. And that's, really where I'm continually amazed with the with the tech world and you know and then from my I just started um, you know catching up with executive assistants telling them what I was doing you know we might sit in a coffee sh- coffee shop and I take their phone I'm going Why have you not got this on your phone? Why are you doing this? And then from there, my workshops evolved. I put together a plan document with the help of some um, people as to how my workshops would run. And I really did them in small niche environments and they worked perfectly fine for me. And I was really, really happy with them. A couple didn't work out well um, because people weren't really ready to go into the tech world. But I'd say 95% of the workshops that I ran um, with executive assistants and then I evolved into the female leadership space worked fantastically and these, these people come back to me constantly and saying the efficiencies that now got in their role of taking the mundane boring administrative tasks of where it can be automated through an app is fantastic. I'm still learning um, yeah. I'm excited for 2020 I had a bit of a health scare earlier this year and it really made me really think um, about life also because we're not getting younger so you know starting my business this year and then also thinking about my health and well-being was a big element as well and um, so I'm excited for what technology is going to bring. I mean, my biggest challenge is I need to continually learn. Mm-hmm. So 2020 will see me going back to Silicon Valley, will be seeing me um, learning some tech stuff, maybe learn how to code, which for me is still foreign. But it's it's I'm not afraid to learn and I know if I want to continually be relevant in my space but also at the top of my game where I feel like I've succeeded, I've still got to educate myself. So yeah in whatever capacity that is. And that's, and that's really hard for us as, you know, women um, in my late 40s to re-educate ourselves because I'd never be able to go back to university and I'd never be able to do – I take my head off to these women who are doing their PhDs and their MBAs so late in life. but And I think it's amazing. I couldn't personally do it, but I've got to find a way to continually challenge and educate myself so I am staying relevant in the space I'm in because tech is ever-changing, you know. Yeah.
0: And this is the thing. And again, there's quite a lot that you've said that you know would love to dive into. And, and one off what you've just said around how important it is to continually educating yourself in whatever way is right for you in terms of your preferred learning style, but also is right for your industry. So for you, because you're in tech and it does move so quickly. That brings a different kind of um, opportunity and expectation around, as you said, you staying, you know, on on the the front edge of what's happening, so that you can be feeling confident about what you're saying, what you're using, what you're recommending. For other people, it may not be as um, intense as that. However, there's always things that you need to learn. The, just going back to a, a little bit where you talked about um, that you. You went to your A team, which was mm. your, your partner and your, your friends, um, and it sounds like they were um, pretty, pretty much on board and supportive of you. How, how about other people? How did other people in your life or your circle respond when they heard that you were um, leaving the corporate employee uh, world to go and start your own thing?
1: Look, you know, Honestly, especially the corporates, um, and I call some of them the straighty 180s, yep. <laughs> you know, because they've been, and, and I'm not totally not against these people. I think they're beautiful human beings, but it's the way that we're brought up and we're bred. And, you know, I remember my nan when she was alive, she was always about, you know, trying new things. And, you know, she always said to me, it doesn't matter if you fall over. there will always be someone there to pick it up. So I've always been about that. There was a lot of negativity because, um, you know, people were like, you need a regular income, Mm -hmm. you you, you can't work in that environment, you know, how are you going to succeed? And I think that encouraged me even more. Yeah. If there's something there that we want to try and fear holds us back, we're never going to know whether it's going to work or not. So yeah. you have to take fear head on. And, you know, my um, friendship circle has changed um, right. from, a, from a corporate perspective. But now that there's runs on the board, they're like, I can't believe you've done it. Oh my god! <laughs> and, you know, one of my things with tech um, is I always say that if one app doesn't work, there's two or three out there waiting in the queue for you to learn about. Yeah. Um, and I think what I do with technology is I make it really simple. So, you know, I, I, and a quick example is I worked with a global um, team mid-year um, and all their executives travel. So they, they, they report into either Singapore or the US or the UK um, and they would see their executive once a month. Their executive would come back from a three-week trip and would have all these business cards. And these EAs were sitting there And they would spend up to a week entering the business cards. And I said, girls, there's an app for that. And they said, what do you mean? I said, you take a photo of it. It uploads into your contacts. You can even send an automated message back to that person and said, hey, great to meet you at the conference. And these women who are very highly intellectual um, in a very, you know, forward thinking corporate world um, and, you know, the business is is an amazing business, didn't even know this existed. So for me... It was an awareness piece, but then it became an efficiency piece, became a time-saver piece, and now what's happened is instead of them sitting there three or four days a week after their executives come back entering that pile of business cards, they can now go and have real conversations with their executives about their business objectives, what they've got to achieve. You know, they may now attend meetings. Some of them also found seat at the table and board meetings as well. So I'm like going... Tick on the board, tick on the so board. So it,
0: it really sounds to me like what you're uh, doing and you're helping to facilitate is t- to ensure that the EAs are, are actually being used for their more full capability rather than being literally just data entry, you know, yeah. pe- people. That, that That's just very low value in terms of the, the uh, what it's really contributing to the organisation versus find something to help. Really streamline and minimise the amount of time that function, which is important but not high value. So you still need to get it done. But if if there's technology that can help with that, that um, gets that done, tick that box. But then, as you say, they can then go and have far more meaningful and impactful conversations totally. that really allow them to add value to their CEO or whoever their uh, their, their manager is. And that's where I imagine. The higher value can come into play, but you also mentioned about the fact that there's so much technology out there that one of the t- tricky things is how do people know that it exists? And this is not even just for EAs, but no. for anyone, that, and even you know people that are going into business for themselves. A lot of this is going to be valuable too. That mm. how is it that people can find out what exists?
1: Well I think um, you have to you have to join some for me, it was joining networking groups or, mm-hmm. or, or communities. So, you know, networking's Some people like that word or some people don't like like, it. But I always say when you're starting your networking, you know, you've got to try something three times, a group or a community three times to know whether it's going to work or not. Um, You know, I I think to take just a little bit of a step back, what I I found is that, you know, part of my one-on-ones or my small workshops is I go into um, their working environment and look at their desktop. And sometimes I'm just doing cleanup for them because there's a lot of things that are on their desktop that they can take their phone, that they can add plugins and automate it. So you could be on the train or on the bus on the way to work, which we all have got to commute every day, and you could be reconciling your um, executive expenses within 10 minutes. People still think you've got to do everything on desktop. So I look at their current operating systems, and this is, does not have to be an executive. This can be a, a female, um, a woman in leadership. It can be anyone that really wants to automate, um, you know, at least 20% of their role because we should be 20. I think 20% the the figure that I kind of sit at the moment. We should be able to automate it. I think the other thing is is that you know uh, social media is an interesting one um you know everyone's starting their social media accounts and they're all trying to do um you know they're all trying to do it their way or they think they've got to employ someone what I realized from um the beginning is also I realized what my strengths were and what my weaknesses were Mm -hmm. so I had to outsource a couple things personally for myself so my I've got like um I've got someone that runs my social media campaign. So we we've done little things like we got all that content together, and we use a scheduling app. And we're so far in advance with what we're going to schedule that it's a time saver. So I see women that go into small business, and they they said, Michelle, I've just spent like half the day trying to find a photo to post and then write my copy. So I'm going, why are you doing that? You know there's a scheduling app that you could just sit there for three days and you could schedule your next six weeks post. So for me that's an efficiency but I outsourced that because that was a small expense to my business but it gave me back time. Yes. And, then, and the other thing is with my weakness, which I said earlier on, I'm not great at English. So I outsourced a copywriter. So I've got someone in my walking group that's an in English, and when I get to a point that I've got to write a document, I'll send it to her and she'll check it. And because she knows me so well, if I try and use a word or do a sentence that's not really me, she goes, Michelle, that's not you. <laughs> so I think it's in small business, but it also relates back to our roles, is don't be afraid to show what your weaknesses are. And if you can't do it, then either ask for help or to outsource it to someone else. And I think people think that it costs a lot of money, but it's choosing. I've continually adapted that fit proposition piece with me as well. So I have got people that have fitted with me. So there might be someone that's more highly skilled to do my copywriting or my social media, but these people have got me. Yeah. You know, the the tech world, Um, I've – as well as me, you know, educating people in how to use it, I've also adapted that in what I've had to do. Have I got it right all the time? No, but I think I've done a, a reasonably good job at it, if I can say so. Do you know what I mean? And, yes. And, I, and I have, I'm i continually learning, like, you know, we're just about to roll out our 2020 workshops and we're doing it in a tro- totally different way for 2020. Um, but I've got a base to start from now and I understand what people want to do and how they can find these efficiencies and how they can get up to that 20% of that automated mundane task to, to put it into a process automated through an app or through technology and then go and get that seat at the table with um, at a board meeting or have the voice and be heard the way we should be heard. So yeah. Yeah. That's, really, that's a strong message for me, um, having that seat at the table and having that opportunity to, to be heard.
0: And this is the thing that I think... Is really important is that uh, when people are sort of in that situation of perhaps considering what's next for them professionally, is it that they want to be promoted within their current organization or current industry? Is it that they want to, you know, make a big change to go to a totally new industry or they want to step out and start their own thing? That you won't know all of the Mm. steps and that, that it's going to evolve as you get more experience you get more information you can make a new decision but I guess that coming back to that core that you also said earlier about that you were really clear about your passion you were really clear about your why and I think that 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 is the core of you and what drives you. And your business and what you offer and how you um, add value to your clients, that can and will evolve and shift. As you said, I think somebody said to you it's going to take yeah. you at least 12 months to sort of really figure out what this business is and yeah. what you want it to be. But as long as you you can keep coming back to the core of who you are, what's most important to you, what you really want to be contributing, that I think is a great filter for decision-making and also to be okay about the fact that it can evolve because it may be that, you know, for some people they look at, oh, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to run these series of workshops and they think that's going to be the thing but they might start and they'll deliver them and then find actually I don't really like that, mm. that model or um, mm. my, my audience just are too time poor to physically come in the room or and I need to go more online or vice versa. You just, you, you won't know, but that willingness to connect and I think you did that really well by the sounds of it of really connecting and having all those conversations with your ideal clients to find out, Who they were, what was going on for them, what were the common problems to Mm. then be able to create the solution, not you just going, here's something I want to sell and then try and convince someone to buy it. It's a very different approach to creating a business, I think.
1: Yeah, and it is. And I think um, the power of connection is an interesting one because, I mean, when you're in a corporate environment, you've got the people there all the time. Yes. So, you know, and then you go out of the corporate environment and it's like how do I continually do it? So one of the other things that as well as, you know, having my mental health day and working three days a week really, really hard is um, every week I, I have three connection so um there's this beautiful lady called tori archbold and she has the three coffee challenge a week and you know what it is it's about meeting with three people every week so one new one one old one and one that you want to learn from and i implemented that into to what i was doing every week and i and it's fantastic because you need to meet new people you need to meet someone that's going to motivate or mentor you and then you need to have a meeting For a certain reason, so I I do the three coffee challenge as well, um, every week, and it's three new people because we continually, you know, in your late forty, you're not old, you're not too old to learn, so. And the thing is I need to continually connect and meet people because that's how I find out what's going on because I don't no longer have the 3,500 employees in a business yeah. um, to for them to tell me what's going on, you know, what's happening in HR, what's happening in the finance team, all those kind of things. Plus also, I mean, um, I, earlier this year I was introduced to the lovely Andrea Clark um, and she talks about being future fit for work and something really resonated with me was she was talking about um, – you know, you need to invest in your learning. So yeah. you need to go to at least four conferences a year. You need to do these certain things. And you know, really, she was talking to the corporate world, but I felt she was talking to me. And what yeah. she said was amazing. So that's another connection piece. That you yeah. know, two beautiful women that I've met this year, and they've said simple things, but it's just helped me in my business. Um, and you know, like in life, you know, you're not going to like everyone, um, but you've got to, you know. Most of the time, they have a great message to share with you, and you need to listen to that message. And that if you can take away one gold nugget from each conversation you have, yeah. then, you've achieved, then you've achieved something. That's what I say.
0: Yeah, fantastic. I love that idea of of three catch ups uh, a week. I really, and particularly for uh, women that are working uh, for themselves, because there's just so much to benefit for that. So I'm, that's going to be another thing that I'm going to steal from you for the year <laughs> here. Um, so I want to ask you, is there anything that on reflection that you wish that you knew or did earlier in the business?
1: Um, look, I thought I was tech savvy and I've learned a lot. I started my podcast series earlier this year mm-hmm. and I actually um, hit a brick wall, if that's probably the best way to describe yeah. it. The EAs, in the conversation, we didn't often mention their boss's name or sometimes didn't mention their boss's name or didn't mention their organisation names, but they still had to go get approval from their organisations. And more than 70% of the podcasts that I recorded didn't get approved from the organisation. So I went, I was kind of stumped and went, you know, I didn't think that this was going to be part of that approval process to get my podcast up and running. Yeah. So I I had to reshift and I think, um, you know, I, I remember going to this event, um, Elka Whalen runs an event called Queenhood and she connects people really, really well. And she said there was something she was talking about is, you know, just because you've hit a brick wall or you've had to recalculate the route you're on doesn't mean you give up. So continue doing it but look at doing it in a different way. So mm-hmm. that really ch- – that because I was so adamant I'm going to do a podcast and it's going to continue my advocacy work with the EAs and it's going to be like this and my podcast series changed totally so what we went is we went from putting it on iTunes to Spotify which I absolutely love we went from not having paid advertisement we went from just making a 20 quick minute conversation with someone that had an interesting story and for me um that's that, and what happened next is it then it launched into my events platform, which I run every quarter. I host an event in three states across uh, Australia. I really, really realised that when you gather a small group of women together in an audience that they feel comfortable in, the, insights and experience that they share are truly amazing yeah. because they feel comfortable. And that's what my events platform did. Like, you know, I gathered, um, you know, groups of 20 to 30 women and I, sh- I got three or four people to sit on the panel and share their story. And people just went, and similar to what you're doing, they just went, wow, I can actually do this. And when it gets hard, I know what I need to do. Yeah. Um, and that's what happened. The podcast really threw me for a six um, <laughs> because I didn't expect that. I was... You know, I'm the planned person. Right? recorded all these. This is going to happen. We're going to roll it out then. And then all of a sudden I was getting phone calls or emails. Oh, my legal department didn't approve it. Oh, no, my boss doesn't want me to release it. It's like, oh,
0: my
1: gosh, what yes. am I going to Yeah. So I had to, I had to recalculate my route, as they say. Yeah. Um, yep. And, and then, I think you have to remember that that's going to happen. But, you know, it's it's going back. And I remember a, a girlfriend saying to me, you um, She said to me, well, you know, you love to share stories. You've just come back from Brisbane where, you know, you had a great event and these women were in tears because of X, Y, and Z. You know, just get some just normal, ordinary women and get them to share their stories. And that's what I did and and that's how the podcast
0: evolved. So, And that's the thing, like, you know, there are always going to be setbacks but it's about what you make them mean and how you pivot or what resilience you tap into to find a way because there's always a way it just might not be the way that you originally thought that it was going to be yeah
1: (laughs) and I think you know as I said to you before it was the investment piece as well I was lucky that the investment wasn't big Mm. so I didn't lose out financially but I I think I lost more of my ego than anything Um, and, and it made me more frustrated but look you know it's now um I'm excited for 2020 um we're gonna we're starting up a, a YouTube channel with a av- more advocacy piece with EAs. We're doing um, a project, um, Laneway, which I'm excited for. So it's continually showing people how to use technology in what they do. Um, and, you know, sometimes when I do my workshops, like I can sit for half a day just cleaning their mobile phone up. Yeah. Um, but it's that confidence piece and how do we empower people people and I know empower some people can say that's a buzzword or it's an overused word but the thing is is that when you give people a little bit of hope or a little bit of empowerment it's amazing how their attitude changes, how excited they feel so for me if I have to run a workshop one-on-one with a with an ea or a woman in leadership and i sit there cleaning up their mobile phone so be it and they walk out of there and it's like they're not getting constant messages you know when they when they um go on to the Qantas app because their ceo's stuck in dallas the Qantas app actually opens because they've actually done the upgrade, and we've got the automatic upgrades already on. Where she didn't know how to do that before, because she didn't have an iTunes account set up. Yes. Or, do you know what I mean? All There's these all-
0: things that are, I guess, they can be at their fingertips, but they just don't know. And I guess that that is about, you know, empowering by giving people a sense of of choice and confidence around how things are set up. And as you said before, and if And if they're not, something's not working that they know what to do or they've got people to to reach out to and to to ask, um, you know, to help um, continually be improving so they can be focusing on those higher value contributions. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. and
1: I think it's also, you know, it was interesting. I met with um, an EA who is a career EA. She's been an EA for 15 years or 18 years actually. Um, And she works for a massive telecommunication tech business. Now, I sat down with her and her technology is terrible Mm. so she works for a massive um leader in this industry and she's doing nothing with tech and apps and you know and i said well why are you doing your expenses why are you going home to do your expenses for half a day now where it can be automated You plug it in she said what are you talking about and she went back to her it department they said yeah that you can do that so it's that knowledge piece but it's that confidence piece as well and i think don't expect just because we're in a certain industry or you work in a certain role that we do it. Yeah. Um, and I think the more conversations or the more networking you do, the more you connect with people, or you just share something simple. It's amazing how many people go, Oh, can you do it that way? Oh, yes. does it- Do you know what I mean? And there
0: is something magic, I think, that happens when you find out, oh, my goodness, really? There's an app that can do this thing? Like it's actually quite exciting. But you said right at the beginning that there's a lot of fear around technology, and I completely Mm. agree with that. And I think anything that helps support um, particularly women, but not only women, to embrace some of those uh, tools that really uh, have been created in order to free up more time to be redirected into whatever you would rather be doing or that uh, is adding higher value so I think what you're doing is very exciting and I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing how things continue for you to, into 2020 and beyond but if people want to connect with you they want to find out more about um, your events or what you're offering really? how can they connect with you or find out more?
1: okay so the the easiest platforms are instagram so my account is door 20a or they can follow me on linkedin as michelle bodie okay you know connect with me via instagram or linkedin and and you know we can have a chat catch up we can have a coffee challenge connect via instagram or linkedin and yeah. um yeah I'd love Fantastic. to
0: catch up with you. yeah Fantastic. and so as we finish up michelle any any final thoughts or tips that you have got for someone who, perhaps they're someone in a, a leadership role in an organisation, they've been doing very well, but they're perhaps at a point where for whatever reason, they are not happy to stay or not able to stay in the role, or they're just ready to make a change, um, to move out to, to do their own thing. What, what sort of final thoughts or tips have you got for someone who's in that situation?
1: Look, I just think you've just got to uh, overcome your fears and try something that you really You need to be excited in what you do. Mm-hmm. So you know you're spending most of your your working your day working. So if you're working, you've got to enjoy what you do. So, and I think if you've got an idea, you know it's a bit like the incubation. You've got an idea, go and test it. If it yeah. works, great. If it doesn't, doesn't. But along the journey, you need to have your 18 backing you. So the thing is, if you have a bad day or something doesn't work, they're going to be there to pick you up or to make you a cup of tea or to send you a emoji that cheers you up or something like that. <laughs> and that is really important. I think, um, and you know, if as soon as you have your why, don't put, never put money as first because I've always believed the money will come later. Have your why with your passion and then the world's your oyster. And but don't be afraid that you know, if your business plan or that strategy document that you spent hours over designing needs to evolve and change because if you think, you know, it's got to go from 1 to 10 and that's how you're going to get there, well, I don't think that's going to happen. You've yes. got to have an evolving document or piece of information or, you know, that will always evolve and change. And that's what I've learnt this year is that, yes. you know, if someone had said to me I'd be doing what I'm going to do for 2020 um, at the beginning of this year, I went, no way. Yeah. but I've evolved with it and I've learned. And the thing is is that don't be afraid to admit when you've made the wrong decision or you've made a mistake because you know we're all human beings at the end of the day. Yes. Um, and
0: and because... there's so much of it that's that's also requires you to just test, you know, test yeah. the idea. Mm-hmm test the offer test the market test the marketing like it's all of that so I think you know bringing that approach that experimental approach and you know accepting right from the the get-go that it's going to evolve and I'm also a big supporter that you know even if things in a work situation are not great that it is really beneficial you know don't stay there but start to explore the ideas you don't have to necessarily you know pull the ripcord and quit straight away although I, I do no, many people do do that, um but you know that th- there are different ways you can approach testing to see what else is out there because I totally agree with what you've said that you know life's too short, and we spend too much of our time at work for it to be something that is a grind that's getting us down or is impacting uh your health so yeah. uh yeah i'm a, a I'm a big advocate for supporting <laughs> women to you know create that transition into doing work that they genuinely love and they feel like is them contributing their highest yeah. value to the world so And
1: and I totally agree. And look, I've got a lot of friends that have got a side hustle um, Mm -hmm. and because they're not really willing to take that step yet but they want to try it. So, you know, a side hustle is a great thing to do. It does challenge you emotionally and physically because you've got to work even harder. Yeah. Um, But I think just, you know, go out there, try something different, surround yourself with your A-team or your tribe and and ensure that you've got the right people on board because, Mm. you know, as I say, that the five or six people that are around you are the right people to support you um, and also guide you and lead you. So it's... It's really, and, and don't be afraid. I mean, you know, always smile. I think a smile goes a long way, that positive <laughs> attitude. Don't think you have to do what society or corporate world says you have to do it. Do it your way. Find, I have to find the Michelle Bowditch way that works for me and engages me, inspires me, and do it my way. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Love
0: it. That's a great note to, to end on. Thank you so much, Michelle. It was really great um, talking with you and uh, thank you for sharing your story and your uh, insights about what's got you here and where you're going to next.
1: Awesome. And thanks for having me and um, I can't wait to see what happens in 2020.
0: (laughs) Yeah, me too. Thanks for listening to The Transit Lounge. If you liked it, please do me a favour and leave a review so I can keep doing more episodes for you. And come and say hi in the private Facebook group, The Transit Lounge, being CEO you in the business of your life. I really look forward to connecting with you there. And until then, do whatever you can to create a future that you will love through the choices you make today.